Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Christian Apology Podcast. I'm so glad you were able to join us. On today's episode, we're going to discuss something that happened to me this past week. So this past week, I was approached on Instagram by someone who believed they had full proof that God condoned slavery. So we're going to dig into this a little bit today, and we're going to find out if God truly did condone slavery, and if he did or if he didn't, and what this means. So let us just dig right in. You know, and so talking about slavery, people always like to refer back to the Old Testament about where it talks about slavery multiple, multiple times. We're not even going to get into all the verses, but this is what I do know, is that the word slave is mentioned 800 times as a noun and 300 times as a verb in the Old Testament and 150 times in the New Testament, but it's only mentioned a few times that actually means the word slave when I'm referring to the New Testament. Now, you know, the question that people always want to ask is, why would a loving God condone slavery? You know, and the short answer to this is that he doesn't. Most of the time, when people like to sit there and refer to God as doing something cruel or unjust, it's usually because they don't understand the text or the original text by which it was written in either in ancient Hebrew or in Greek. They don't understand what the word means. They just go off of what the translated word says. And so that is what they are basing their ideology off of, that God is unjust. So let me just point this out, is that slavery does not mean the race-baiting slavery that we think of in today's society. What it meant back then was a servitude, but basically like a servant. It was meant to pay off of a debt, or it was for prisoners, or it was a way of income, kind of like an employee-slash-employer type relationship. See, the word slavery in Hebrew is ebed or eved, and it can mean slavery or it can mean servant. See, now the word slavery in the Greek, which is in the New Testament, is dalos, which also means either slavery or bondman. But the word master, when used with that word in the same sentence, it also can mean gentleman. So it doesn't necessarily have to mean like you're my master. It could just be you're a gentleman. See, now there is a big, huge difference between slavery and servitude. See, the difference between slave and indentured servitude is that an indentured servitude was an agreed-upon amount to pay off of a debt or a way to provide for oneself or their family. And slave, slavery is a forced to work and obey and often beaten, mistreated, killed, starved, etc. Y'all know how slavery is. I don't have to explain that to y'all. But, see, now here's what the Bible says about servitude and why there was servitude. See, basically, even today, we are all considered servitude. We're all considered servants. See, because we all work for something in return. We are all working for money in one way or the other. In fact, a lot of people, when they get in trouble with the law, they are even uh, given community service which is servitude. You are paying off a debt to society by working. So there's no difference in what they did back in the biblical days. 
And also, let's say you owed somebody a lot of money back then and somebody else owed them very little. The most you would have to work to pay off your debt is six years. And on the seventh year, you had to be set free other than prisoners. Prisoners were kept as servants for their entire rest of their lives while they are in captive. And that's mainly so they don't uh, rise up and rebel against the Israelites or like the, what we do nowadays. They don't rise up and rebel against the Americans. And so they're the only ones that were actually kept in servitude. Everyone else was let go after seven years. Most of these servants were actually treated much like family members. They were treated very well. Yes, there are some that talk about, uh, if you keep reading, and especially like in Deuteronomy and Exodus and other chapters, that you know a lot of people miss see that what they'll read is one part of this Bible. They'll read one part of the verse, but they won't read the entire thing. And they'll see about you know slaves being beaten and mistreated and killed and etc. But if people just kept reading, like for instance in Exodus 21, Leviticus 25, Deuteronomy 15 and 23, it'll go into detail about how the slaves are not to be mistreated, they're not to be beaten, they're not to be killed, and if they are, there is consequences to that master slash gentleman or employer, however you want to look at it, for when these things do happen, much like today. If an employer hurts one of you, either on purpose or out of purpose, honestly, if you think about it, we have all these insurances in place now that they have to pay for us to be put better. They are, they are you know, they have to pay for this. And even in the Old Testament, it says that if a servant is to die because of something the employer does or the master, then that master must be taken, his life must be taken as well. So no, it was not allowed to beat or mistreat your your servants. And I've even had people come to me and talk about, well, well, you know, in this chapter, in this chapter, in this chapter, it talks about selling your servants or selling the slaves and trading slaves. And that just sounds a whole lot like slavery to me, Richard. But like I, I always refer to them. I'm like, okay, well, if that's the case, then quit watching sports. Now, why is that? Because sports, you know, all the uh, players in sports, all the athletes are traded. They are sold and they have to go where they're sold. They have to go where they're traded. So there's no different in, in today's what we do with sports and then what they did in the Old Testament times about trading their servants. There was no difference in selling their servants or trading their servants or anything else. And there are verses that when it refers to about uh, female slaves uh, being traded and sold and everything else and uh, even fathers selling their daughters to uh, masters. And the reason for this was because in those days, women had no way of providing for themselves. They had no way. They, they, it was basically the men worked, the women didn't, and women had no way of providing for themselves. So when the fathers could see that they could not provide for their own daughters and their own family, they were basically saving their daughters' lives and guaranteeing that their daughters would be taken care of by selling them 
to someone so they could work and make money and have food and have shelter and everything else. It wasn't out of hate. It was out of love. That is why they did the things they did. But has anybody ever thought about this? They always want to point out how all the slavery in the Old Testament and how it's so ungodly and it's so cruel and it's so mean and oh my gosh, I just cannot worship a God that condones slavery. But yet in the New Testament, Jesus says, I have come to serve. This is the Son of God slash God telling people He is a servant. He has came down to serve. You know, there's a really good book out there by a guy named Greg Kokel called Is God a Moral Monster? And for everyone that has like all these questions about some of the things that happened in the Old Testament about slavery and, and God going around killing the Canaanites and things like this, you know, if God was being cruel and unjust, this is a good book to pick up. He uh, goes into really good detail about God not being a moral monster, but basically being a loving and just God. Guys, we're going to take a quick break real quick. We're going to give a shout out to our sponsor. Please stay with us and we will continue where we left off on if God condones slavery and why and why not. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, thanks for staying tuned. Welcome back to the second half of the Christian Apologist Podcast. Today we are talking about slavery and if God condones it. I just want to read a verse out of the Bible real quick. It's 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 10. This is what God says. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually or immoral, and for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders, liars, and perjurers. See, that right there tells you that God does not condone slavery in any form or fashion. There's just no two ways around it. And yes, I do understand that a lot of Christians uh, back in the day, and maybe some even today, and a lot of people that weren't Christians or claimed to be Christians used the Bible and some of these verses out of context so that way they could use slaves so that they saw fit. But is that God's fault that people will take verses out of the Bible just so that it will fit their agenda, but yet they don't include all the verse or all the chapter or all the scripture? No, that is not God's fault at all. Did you know that even though in America we think of slavery as something in the past, that there are over 27 million people in the world today, to this day in 2021, who are subject to slavery, forced labor, sex trade, um, they're looked at as property and etc. I mean, as those who have been redeemed from the slavery of sin, followers of Jesus Christ should be the foremost champions of ending human slavery in the world today. But the question arises, though, why does the Bible not speak out strongly against slavery? Why does the Bible, in fact, seem to support the practice of human slavery? Those are the questions. But the, like I said from the beginning, these verses and the word slavery was not the same as back then. And when it, honestly, I believe it wasn't translated into English properly. It should have said servant in most of these cases. 
when we think of slavery in the United States, we think of, you know, the black community being enslaved by the white community. But the Bible completely condemns race-based slavery. And what the Bible does teach in Genesis 127 is that God created man in his image. All men were created in the image of God. It didn't have a color listed. It was because of all men were created in the image of God. In addition to all that, both the Old and New Testament condemns the practice of what we call man-stealing or kidnapping, which is what happened basically in Africa in the 16th and 19th century. Africans were rounded up by slave hunters who sold them to slave traders who brought them into the new world, basically America and other new countries, to work on plantations and farms. But this practice was a disgrace and a dishonor to God. In fact, the penalty for such a crime in the Mosaic, Mosaic law was death. Anyone who can kidnaps another and either sells him or still has him when he is caught must be put to death. And that is in Exodus 21.16. And also, in the New Testament, slave traders are listed among those who are ungodly and sinful and are in the same category as those who kill their fathers and mothers, murderers, adulterers, perverts, and liars and perjurers. And that was in 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 10, which we read 9 through 10 earlier. Another crucial point is that the purpose of the Bible is to point the way to salvation, not to reform society. See, the Bible often approaches issues from the inside out. If a person experiences the love, mercy, and grace of God by receiving his salvation, God will reform his soul, changing the way he thinks and the way he acts. A person who has actually experienced God's gift of salvation and freedom from the slavery of sin, as God reforms his soul, will realize that enslaving another human being is completely and utterly wrong. He will see what Paul came to see, that a slave can be a brother in the Lord, like in Philemon 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 16. A person who has truly experienced God's grace will in turn by graciously be, be gracious towards other people. That would be in the Bible's prescription for ending slavery. So God does not condone slavery. We have pointed this out in many, many verses throughout this entire episode. And if you cannot see that slavery is not condoned by God, then I suggest that you get into the Word of God and you study the Word of God. Don't just read it at face value. You need to study it. You need to look up the Hebrew words. You need to look up the definition of those Hebrew words, those Greek words. And you need to understand that God does not condone slavery in any form or fashion. Guys, that is all the time that we're going to have today. I suggest that if this episode did not clear up the idea of God condoning slavery, then I strongly suggest that you get the book I mentioned earlier from Greg Copel called His God a Moral Monster. And if you are still in doubt, then I suggest you get into the Word and you study it for yourself. So many people nowadays go to church on Sundays, maybe Wednesdays, they get the Word of God, and that is the end of it. Some people will even read verses out of the Bible a day, but very few Christians will actually take time to study the Bible for all it's worth, go into depth, looking up the Hebrew words, looking up the Greek words, 
and trying to learn about God and what God is trying to say in His Word. You all have a blessed week, and until next week, God bless.